Your support on patreon.com slash solidarityhouse ensures that we can deliver this content to the public for free. Oh, um, I'm gonna go ahead and pull that little bit of weather stripping out of there. I think we're gonna want to even put another strip parallel to this strip. It. It's just anywhere that it fits under easily. Okay. Do it and then just rip it and, and then just rip it. Okay. Move to the next spot where it'll fit under easily. Which is on this side. Yep. Which is under you. Okay. So it's the day before Christmas Eve. It's December twenty-third. And all through the house. And we have an unusually warm day of forty something degrees, like forty-three or something. And it's not windy. Yay. Uh, and we're still working on the greenhouse. So let it <laughs> we, be known. We worked we... on the greenhouse. We got a certain amount down the road. And then the first really big windstorm kind of wrecked it. And so we had to, like, figure out some other design stuff. And I had to stop feeling completely, like wrecked by the fact that my design hadn't worked and all well, whiny about the, it <laughs> in that your design had not uh, withstood otherworldly winds <laughs> so this will take actually another layer okay so i can actually do cool. this i can so we're uh, we're stuffing weather stripping underneath the panels where the um these panels are kind of hard to cut they're these like double layer plastic things and they're a little hard to cut, and so it's hard to get it really straight. So we're now stuffing weather stripping underneath the parts that are higher up on the bottom. And just trying to get this as snug as we can. And then what are we going to do to double down on the panels so that... Um, so the wind doesn't get, yeah. wreck it again. I mean, so, the wind is, is like, you can't even describe the window. <laughs> the wind is so intense out here. Yeah, so um, so the way that it was 
locked in before was just with like um, furring strips and screws that were headed in one direction. And furring strips are one by twos. They're pretty thin. Um, and they're great because you can fit them into the size of spot that we have, but they definitely just kind of came apart in the wind. And so we're now putting the furring strips in again. We're putting screws in from both directions though. And then we're putting in a crossbar halfway up the panels so that, and that's a two by four, which is pretty solid. So we are hoping it's gonna work. It that, wasn't very windy last night, so we haven't really tested it out yet. Feels but. like that crossbar is, you know, kind of the, this is the drastic step. This right. is the, this is, we're really, really, you know. We're not fucking around. Battening down the hatches. Yeah. Right. Cool. This is ridiculous. Okay, well, <laughs> it looks ridiculous. <laughs> um. It's all my fault because... I can't cut in a straight line. Yeah, these panels are really hard to cut, though. I can't cut these, whatever they are, panels. Polycarbonate double-walled thing panels. Greenhouse panels. They're not at all... Are these responsible? Are we being responsible by having these panels? Uh, well... I mean, I think we're being more responsible by having these panels than we are about, like, getting soda in plastic. Right. Because this is, like, going to help bring our bills down. It's going to help us grow food. It's probably going to add value to the house. <laughs> I just have my <laughs> doubts because see it's, the like, part that kind I'm of doing right shitty now. carpentry all the way around. Well, we got help from our friend Styles, who, like, help, came out for a day and, like, helped me frame it. So Styles and I spent a day framing it up. The framing work is fine. Styles, you're awesome. Um, what is being a little rougher around the edges is all the carpentry work done since then, and that's mostly on me Well, as the creator. That's not fair. That's not It's all on no. <laughs> It's all my fault. It's not all this is why fault. I stopped working on this for like three weeks because it was all my fault. No, because it was yeah, ridiculous. We had worked so hard and the wind just blew it down. Can I hold that in? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we have furring yeah. strips to cut? Uh, and this was the crop mm -hmm. Right now I'm just a brace holding up a part of the panel on the wall. Yeah. Much like the okay. wall played by Snout in the play within a play in Midsummer Night's Dream. I played that in a... When we just did the play within the play, I was the wall. Yeah, so we've got uh, Yana, and this is Matt, and we have Sarah and Sean, uh, Hello. And Jason, with us uh, today. And Jason's been on the podcast many times, um, and uh, Jason is uh, an active supporter who is in the process of moving on to the commune and becoming 
a, a full uh, member of the commune. So, but Jason's art has already been a full member of the commune, and and Chewy, Jason's dog, will also be a member of the commune, and we're especially happy about that. Uh, and it's all about the dog, Jason. <laughs> and I, uh, and Sean and I just unloaded like a shit ton um, of uh, composted soil off of a truck, off of the back of a truck. Um, and it just, as I was doing that and kind of doing this backbreaking work, um, it occurred to me that um, it's easy in the abstract to talk about uh, from each according to ability to each according to need um, as an aspirational goal. Um, but that one thing that we've found uh, and what has put us into uh, a real crisis, one of our deepest sort of crisis situations um, this year has been just sort of the dawning on us um, that A, uh, sometimes there's not enough from each according to ability um, to deliver to each according to need, um, and B, um, that what has, I think, occurred a couple of times now as people have, as some people have come and gone uh, to the, to the collective is uh, that it's not for everybody. And that I think we might not have initially, you know, when we were talking about uh, it and, and kind of telling people about it, we haven't, we didn't, we might not have really done a good enough job of talking about how fucking hard it is. I told everybody that if you can make it through a winter, you're, you're, you're going to have a true taste. And if you're not here for the winter, you don't have any idea how hard it actually is. Yeah. There are lots of things that need to be done. And if there are not enough people to do them because the ones that we have can't, then stuff doesn't get done. I think the scale thing that Matt was talking about too, though, is also important. Like we've been trying to make this work with anywhere between three and six people at various times. Like this place was never meant to work it was never going to be able to work long term with that few people right like there's enough space here for you know 10 to 15 people and that is probably enough labor to actually like maintain the place without overburdening any one person uh, and we're on our way to that but i think that's also part of why it has been so hard maybe it's maybe it's not collect maybe it's uh it's not that collective living isn't for everyone. It's that sort of starting a community uh, and, and like that, that maybe that's not for everyone. I also think it's kind of a boast thing as far as that goes. Like, like I do think collective living is not for everyone. And that some people have like an image of themselves where like, oh, this sounds really cool, but the actual daily lived reality isn't that great. Um, and then there is also like starting a community is a lot harder than joining one. And, you know, everybody who's been in so far is pretty much still joined us during the startup phase. And it's just really fucking hard to get one of these things established and solid and grounded. And our ideal is that like the founders could walk away and no bad thing would happen. And we're not quite there yet, but I feel like, I feel like I may be seeing that pathway opening up for the first time and that feels really good as one of those founders I think part of that too you know we we're saying about like maybe we didn't do a super awesome job of like 
describing or, or like of helping people understand, um, you know, like day to day life and stuff. And I, I suspect maybe that like the IC.org listing has contributed to that a bit, not because there's any problem with the IC.org um, database. Um, it's like a really great and helpful tool, but they have this one metric that is, you know, is the community forming? Is it established? Um, and then that is a very, like that established means a very specific thing. Um, and I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, but I, you know, I think in our case, we are we're past forming, but would I say that we're completely established? You know, maybe not necessarily. And so people, you know, they think, oh, this is an established community. Like, and I think that that, um, just as far as like people who like, I mean, like me who have like seen the listing and, you know, and then came here, I'm thinking also of Mateo, um, you know, and, and like it was different than, um, and I think that it was different than we thought. And then that was maybe part of also what contributed to kind of like people's imagining of it or expectations of it, like before they come. Yeah. And I think that's a really common problem. I think that, you know, we tried really hard to not be doing the thing of like, we're going to describe the community we want someday, which I think some groups do. And then like people arrive and they're like, what the fuck? Like none of that was real. And so we tried to not do that. And you're still like putting specific firm words down on paper and things morph and change and shift. And it always sounds more sure when you write it down than it is in reality. And I think like most people don't really get that until they've like visited a bunch of places and they're like, Oh yeah, all these groups are like, you know, telling you the the version that was last Thursday. And like, it's not really that anymore or whatever, you know, or like, yeah. So I do think there's a hazard with just trying to communicate. And also, you know, like you check all those little boxes on the IC.org listing and it makes it seem like things are more settled somehow than Mm. they are for most groups. Yeah, totally. Okay, I just got to say this now. Sarah and Sean look like uh, John Lennon and, and Yoko Ono <laughs> with the quilt in the background. Oh. <laughs> Which one of us is? <laughs> uh, I think that we agreed to, one of the things that we agreed to do is to uh, let people know that our financial and resource precarity um, is right now um, a feature, not a bug, uh, of the uh, of the commune, and that in the future, uh, while we are still in this position of precarity, we we want to let people know who are coming here. You know, this is we're going to have to. You're going to have to help us do a lot of problem solving. Uh, we have different crises, either financial or resource or uh, facilities, logistical crises uh, on a daily basis. And you're going to help us get through that. And I think the other thing about that is that um, the the purposive nature of someone uh, coming here um, that, you know, it's not, I mean, now we're making it sound like purgatory, um, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, you're also coming, it's not a retreat. 
in the sense, I mean, it might be a retreat for, for some people's idea of a retreat, uh, you know, but it's not, uh, it's not a salt. It's not a spa. It's not, you're not going to come and do a three month uh, stint at a big, at a spa and, you know, have us um, massage, give you massages unless you, that's what you really want, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I guess my, speaking of like expectations and reality, I guess I, I sort of was expecting like a, all of the, all of these like social, social systems to be um, in place. And like, I would just need to find a spot to fit in and then just act according to the system and everything would be fine. But like, it's like a bunch of people in a process of like figuring stuff out and like, um, which is both, I guess more exciting and harder as someone with like social anxiety and mental illness, but also a like interesting and, and like challenging process of growth um, to, to like work that stuff out um, on the fly. I was just thinking of if anyone, if I was going to ask anyone to list all of the things they've done in relation to these systems in the past 24 hours, it would be Sean on any given day. Uh, because it seems like Sean is, does like six or seven different, almost, you know, big projects a day, it seems like. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and plus everyone sort of has their niche or starts to find their niche on various things. So if we experimented with tracking hours and how did that go? Well, the system that we set up was that we have a spreadsheet that has everybody's name, you know, everybody has a row and then there's columns that have all of the different uh, types of tasks that we were doing. Like there was chicken care and um, cooking and money-making endeavors that people were involved with. And, um, and because it was both like money-making work and domestic stuff, we were trying to see if we could hit 45 hours a week for everybody. And, um, and I think it was really interesting. I mean, I feel like I learned a lot pretty quickly about, you know, where I was actually putting my time. And like, we have all this data now about like where we put our time for a few months. And people were spotty about like how much they were actually like filling out the spreadsheet and different people I think were doing like get to the end of the week and then ballpark it. And some people were like tracking it really closely and that kind of stuff. So, which is pretty normal. I think that like different people relate to it differently. I think it was very interesting and I feel some relief that we aren't doing it right now because it feels mm. like everything got really fucking weird with like COVID and isolation and quarantine and like a bunch of the stuff that we'd been doing, you suddenly couldn't really do or doing it was like a lot more energy to actually get the thing done. Um, so I feel relieved that we're not doing it right now, even though I'm a proponent of tracking and I love the data part of it. It's like really nice to not be doing it right now. <laughs> Isn't there an app for that? I mean, I don't know. There's got to be an app that makes it easier for like, just I'm gonna I'm working two hours I I, I don't know I'm like productivity app of some kind mm. yeah some sort of productivity like slack or Monday or something doesn't that isn't that what that's for mm. are we looking at Gantt charts here I don't know well, slack is I mean slack actually I'm I'm a kind of a fan of slack and Asana 
uh, and stuff like that. But this was just self-reported hours on okay. a combination of domestic and other uh, tasks. And I don't know, what was it? Uh, what was it like for you, Sarah? I think I definitely like how my feelings about it changed as we like continue to do it. I think at first I actually kind of liked it because there was like a little bit of that like sort of positive reinforcement reward of like, you know, of, of the tracking um, and actually being able to look back and be like, oh, I did a lot of stuff this week. Um, but eventually for me, that sort of uh, positive reinforcement reward dopamine injection of my brain <laughs> wears off uh, and my brain's like this isn't interesting anymore um and uh and then i you know i had a few weeks where i uh i don't remember if i was not feeling well or if i was well i was not feeling well i don't remember if it was my brain or my body but um and then that was really demoralizing to be like oh i didn't you know get oh i now i have to especially like if you like Yana's talked before about like the labor hole, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, if, and if you get, you kind of get in that hole and then you're like, you feel like you're always playing like catch up. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like the idea of, of being able to see where we put our labor. I've been thinking personally about starting like a to done list where like, instead of a to do list, which makes you feel like, Oh, I have all these things that I have to do. I mean, it's helpful to keep track of those things, but just at the end of the day to be like, here's all the things I did, um, which is like a little less uh, intense maybe than like all the hours tracking and stuff, but still allows me, or if like everyone is doing it, like other people to be like, oh, here, I see like that this is what so-and-so did today. Cause I think that's what we established was part of the problem before labor tracking was that if you're not around when a person is doing a particular job or, you're not spending a lot of time in any per one person's company, which now with COVID, we're spending less time even physically in the same spaces than we were before. Um, you know, it's really easy to just like not realize what work other people are doing um, and just see like the things that aren't getting done, which around here is sometimes a lot of things. <laughs> um, just because there's such a volume of work and you just don't uh, have the, the labor hours right now to uh to keep up with everything that ideally we would like to uh you know see done on like a daily or a weekly basis or something like that i don't know if that does that answer that question sufficiently yeah but uh, you know even jason who doesn't even live here yet mm -hmm. uh technically uh is here all the time um either working on systems you know helping us develop systems especially gardening um uh, but also doing art uh, and other stuff out in the Quonset hut uh god knows what jason does out in the Quonset hut frankly i don't know if i <laughs> well, that's disgusting as what the last guy did out there <laughs> oh shit uh, some groups you know there's like a big buy-in fee and you like buy a place and it's already all set up and you know, and it can be totally accessible and all that kind of stuff. And that's not this project. Like we took a really kind of scrappy property that we're having to like rehabilitate really significantly. And it takes a lot of physical work. And right now it is totally ableist. Like we can't really get to the point of 
having systems that aren't ableist without going through this phase where it's like not everybody is going to be able to like, you know, participate and like be fully in this. And I think that that really sucks. And it's also one of those cases where I feel like sometimes communities can take on this like, well, we're a failure because we're not completely there yet with stuff. And it's like, we live in a totally ableist wider culture and we're trying to create systems to like shift that, but it takes time to make that kind of transition. And I don't know what to do with that. Like, I think this transition period is like really awkward and feels like a values violation every time we turn around in some way or another. And it's also like how, like you can't just go from like, we're in this like completely messed up set of systems to like instantly having it be different. Like you have to do that transition. And I think there's just a lot of really painful compromises that we've like bumped into over the last almost two years in the course of doing that. He is like finding ways to like keep that ideal of like, this is what eventually we're, we're moving towards like to sort of like keep that in our, you know, in our mind. And when we're thinking about the systems that we're making and stuff um, to hold that without let it sort of like kill our morale um, as it were. I mean, that's a, that garden bed is a 42 square foot garden bed that I've cleaned out and got ready. Somebody that was physically disabled could not have done that. And it took me a long time to do it. And I mean, I'm not the best, but from now on that bed will produce for whoever feeds the bed what it needs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or with a walker. Okay. Somebody had to do the heavy lifting of getting that crappy duck grass out of there and just remediating that bed. It had to happen. It just needed to be done. Now it's there for whoever else comes along going forward in the community, provided we maintain it to use. And mm-hmm. that's, I think I, I let's put that down as a, a one done. Like you were saying, Sarah, that's a one done. We now have officially established a growing place for food on on the property permanently. Thank you, Jason. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I think that these are the way that we look at that kind of thing is that, okay, we've got one part of our food system set. Yay. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got um, a, approximately 30 laying hens and we just got 43 more baby chicks. Um, so pretty soon we're going to be producing as many as 24 dozen uh, eggs uh, a week by next spring, I think. What sort of political and social values motivate you to, uh, to work hard here um, when it's hard to work hard? Um, and for me, it's uh, building a space where a whole bunch of different anti-capitalist and pro-cooperative political projects and artistic projects can take place at the same time. And so I like to see a lot of busy uh, 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 political work and artistic work being done as well as educational work. Um, That's all kinds of different things Um, and sort of uh, letting the proverbial thousand flowers bloom. And I know that people will drag me for, uh, for that Maoist quote. Um, but, uh, but I like the idea of having a whole bunch of different things going on here and it, it pumps me up and it makes it uh, easier for me to do the boring work or the tedious work of making this, of keeping the systems going. Yeah, I think for me, like it's good to periodically remind myself 
of sort of the headspace I was in before uh, I came here, um, which was feeling like, um, you know, I like had a lot of friends that, you know, I mean, we were all struggling. We, we'd either significantly sort of like downsized our needs and our, and our expenses and things to like be able to, you know, live within our, our means. Um, you know, like for instance, I never have like had my own apartment, like by myself, like the closest I ever came was sharing a one bedroom with, you know, my best friend. Other than that, I rented rooms and houses and things like that. And you know, I had other friends, you know, friends who were disabled or friends who should have been on disability who were like working their tuchuses off and still, you know, like having to live with their grandma and stuff. And, and I just felt like this is only going to get worse. And if we don't have some sort of vehicle um, to, to, you know, collectivize to, to like, um, to sort of soften the blows of capitalism, um, you know, as, as much as you can, um, that, you know, that we were all going to die. <laughs> and I was just like, I would really like for all my friends not to die or just like end up in some other horrifying, like terrible, depressing situation. Um, and, and so that was kind of my impetus for coming out here was like, um, you know, like, I, I have no idea how to friggin' do that, you know, and I like, and I need to learn. Um, and so I, I think on some level for me to like, even like, this has always been a valuable experience. Like, even if we were to, even if the collective were to, you know, fold, um, and like cease to exist at some point, like for me, it's a learning experience so that I can, you know, maybe make something someday that like, it makes life better for people that I care about. And so that feels really valuable, even if in the end, you know, we are not, you know, still here in our present uh, way of being here. Um, and that I think is really, especially on the days when it's like, oh, will we still be here? You know, and it's like, oh, well, if I don't even know if we're going to still be here, like, well, I want to get up out of bed and, you know, do all this junk that I have to do or whatever. Um, and then that is a really, uh, is a really helpful reminder, I think. I guess there's a lot of uh, stuff I could say about my politics and stuff, but um, the simplest way to put it was um, uh, before living here, I was going to, uh, I was trying to get my master's degree and it was like, well, sink or swim, like you gotta, you gotta put something out there that, that like gets you grants or attention or like um, other, like, basically work for your, for like individual, um, gratification or, or like, um, obviously there, there, you're, you know, it's gotta be like impactful socially and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like trying to make a name for yourself. Um, I suppose this was, this was like me sending myself out to the countryside and, and like doing, doing stuff not to, not to like improve my own standing or, uh, job prospects, but uh, or, you know, doing stuff that people need and, and like trying different things. And, and those things might not be like bring in any monetary value or, or, or like be especially like if a professional plumber came in and looked at my, uh, any of my various 
plumbing repair jobs, they would probably uh, scoff. But it feels very, uh, very doing things for use value rather than uh, exchange value, which I appreciate a lot. And I think that's sort of um, that's obviously like not something we can do. Um, we can go all the way on since we we still live under capitalism and still have to pay like all our various upkeep costs. But I think that's uh, so much more fulfilling. I mean, I would also say that um, that it's. I mean, we we still you know I feel like we still talk about theory a lot. Uh, I feel like we talk about it more. I think probably and in very different ways than I ever talked about it in a classroom or uh, a uh, an office or or a lab um, or a clinic, uh, and we apply it, um, because we are doing all this political work on top of doing the systems work, um, everything from housing campaigns and renters rights and, uh, you know, political campaigns and electoral and non-electoral politics, uh, and forums and hosting and education and all of that too. So, um, but it's in, it's all informed, um, by like this very deep material praxis of also keeping, you know, also that upkeep, uh, and that sort of material materiality. I don't know. What do you think, Yana? Well, I think, I mean, I think my answer does have a lot to do with materiality. I mean, for me, the political stuff that motivates me with this community is definitely like economic security and wanting to create a system where people do have deeper security and are able to pursue more of what is really calling to them rather than like the thing they have to do to make enough of a wage to scrape by and pay their bills. And that's not really living in a lot of ways. And so I want a space like that for people um, and I think the other really material piece for me is around climate disruption and, you know, really wanting to create a space where people can relatively easily reduce their carbon footprints and still live a high quality life. And that is definitely one of the things that uh, keeps me in community. And then I think there's like a, a sort of intersection between like, like the personal and the political stuff with this where like, I feel like there would be lots of ways to do those two things to like, there's many ways to create deeper economic security for people. There's a lot of ways to reduce your carbon footprint. The one that I happen to be deeply suited to is community living. And I think there's also this really interesting thing that we get to do, which is to really have the opportunity to do some like culture shift and, that work, I think, happens faster in community than just about anywhere else. And cooperative culture is kind of my jam. So I, I keep finding myself like I'm, I'm out of community for a little while. And I'm like, I want to get back into that social space where I'm like actually having to like do deep work with people and like do my own sort of consciousness shift. And then that feeds back into my politics. So it's not just the politics that gets me here, but it's also the ways that I feel like living in community has kind of informed my political framework for stuff. And I like those changes. You know, I like watching myself develop in a more cooperative and responsible direction over time. And community is definitely the place that I have found for me that works best for doing that work. You know, I've been spending that better part of the last decade taking care of someone else. And it was a wonderful experience. 
um, and I've had intentions to move out there before my immediate situation changed. Um, I look forward to creating a system of uh, infrastructure for other people to do all of those great things that I wanted to do uh, when I was young or whatever. And now, uh, because of circumstances or whatever, mental illness, I don't find myself really in a position able to do those things, but I do find myself able to grow a garden and make artwork that will hopefully create an infrastructure to help all those other people who come along that do want to do those things have a community base from which they can do that. And also I need to uh, repent for all of the sins that I committed under the capitalist system. Right. I, I, I think we, we ignore the, the redemptive uh, value and the shame value uh, of being here at our peril. Um, I'm just kidding. What kind of brought us to the last, uh, what, six to eight weeks of, um, of kind of uh, existential uh, questioning, questioning our, our existence as a community and our viability as a community was both financial and uh, human uh, kind of, of costs um, and the feeling that they were overwhelming. Um, one of the things that ha happened when we kind of were open about that and shared that with our, uh, our supporters and, and folks who have been watching our progress is um, that a bunch of them um, also uh, gave us money and we didn't even ask for it. Extremely supportive, extremely uh, conscientious, um, and uh, kind of just a, a feeling of uh, that, a feeling that other people are invested in what we're doing. I think it's amazing. And I think every group that I know that has gotten off the ground, it's partly been because there was that outside support, that it's never just the people who live in a place like this, but there's a, you know, a, a sort of social and sometimes economic support system that kind of forms around it that's inspired by what's happening in this place and wants the, all the things that we just talked about that are motivating us living here are also things that are motivating people who aren't living here. And this is a way for them to tangibly support it. And it's like, I'm incredibly grateful that people have been willing to like step up and show their support for something like this. And um, I don't have any illusions about like, oh, somehow we would have made it if it wasn't for our supporters. I mean, that's just not true. What is the weather supposed to be like tomorrow? Like, are we gonna get another day of this, or are we are we gonna get done what we get done today and then be on pause until January? I'm gonna find out. It already feels different to me in here, like even with these two big holes still. What's the problem that we have over here? Explain it while I'm looking for. Um. This. So the problem that we have here is that there's not really a support member to attach uh, the lumber tube that needs to hold the panel. So we're having to solve a problem that I just haven't figured out how to solve yet. And now we're down to like, hey, it's almost time to install something, but I don't know what to install or how to do it. So the problem is amateur carpentry. Tomorrow um, is uh, 41 degrees. Okay. So that will still be uh, Wednesday is 36 degrees. Okay. Uh, that's Christmas Day, and it's a little colder. And then 
it drops below freezing okay. after that. So I think that means we can still do some work tomorrow. We're going to get this all figured out today. I'm chipping away this ice now so that this spot is a spot we can work on tomorrow. Okay. Live to fight another day. Live to beat your head against the wall as an amateur carpenter another day. Today is the 371st anniversary of the occupation of St. George's Hill in Surrey, England by the diggers. The mm. diggers created a farming commune where all property would be held in common and decisions would be made collectively with no hierarchy and no patriarchy. The diggers espoused a radically religious and political anarcho-communism, which we would call eco-feminist, eco-socialist, and anti-war during a period of bloody and traumatic civil wars in England. The diggers criticized churches, lawyers, bankers, and landowners for closing off the commons and forcing people into poverty and disease through urbanization and capitalism. The diggers did not believe that their little commune would become the center of the revolution, but that it might be a herald to the rest of the world that a different life was possible without economic exploitation, without class differences, where people could learn to share. Those with property in Surrey and surrounding areas became quite alarmed at the example being set by the diggers, just as the entire world, including the New York Times, freaked their shit out at the birth of the Paris Commune 222 years later in 1871. Because again, the message to what we now call somewhere between the 0.1% and the 1% was, we don't need you. The world would be better being run cooperatively without you. The diggers met a violent end, arrested and dispersed, their farms and buildings burned. They took one for the team. So I'm feeling this from 1649 in Watton, Surrey to 2020 in Laramie, Wyoming, USA. The project of Solidarity Collective has involved the efforts of nearly 20 people between 2016 and now. Not all of them are still part of the project and some of them are no longer alive on this earth. But for me, this was about fulfilling a vision that fell on me back in the 1980s when I first heard Billy Bragg's cover of Leon Rosselson's 1975 song, The World Turned Upside Down. There's an older song, The Diggers Song, written in 1874, recorded subsequently by many artists, whose refrain is, stand up now. And it's a haunting, inspiring song mentioning the values of the diggers and the treachery and selfishness of their class enemies. Our purpose in creating this community wasn't just to create an intentional community where people could live cooperatively and with a low ecological impact. Our purpose was to be a model of shared common space where some people could live, some people could work, some people could learn, some people could participate in political movements and messages, some people could create art, and where all would be part of a socialist movement from anarchists to communists to democratic socialists to people who didn't know what to call themselves but knew they belonged here. 
So today, in the middle of a pandemic, a social disaster whose impacts lie squarely at the foot of capitalism, I raise a coffee cup to Gerard Winstanley and the 30 to 40 people of many genders who took one for us all in 1649. Thanks also to the comrades at Working Class History for compiling a great summary uh, of that history, uh, which I drew from um, to read this post. <laughs> 